Hey, this is Annie from the Coronas. This is Niall Minnelli from the Performance and Fitness Academy. This is Karen Preen from Deadlifts and Red Lips. Hi, this is Stephen Obar from Obar Muscle. This is Jason Kaufman of Jason 2.0. This is the personal trainer, Dominic Minnelli. Hashtag the way of Dom. And you're listening to the Dan Kyo Wellness Project Podcast. give a huge shout out to all the people who have reached out to me recently who are new listeners to the pod it's really amazing i don't really record weekly or bi-weekly i don't have a regular uh, schedule for this but people just keep finding it because they're meant to find it and they've come back to me and said that whatever conversations i've had with my guests have helped them along their own path made them feel better made them or help them incorporate new strategies into their life so i just want to give a shout out to you guys who did start listening and did reach out to me and let me know that it did benefit you because that's the whole reason why i do it i am delighted to welcome a good friend of mine rory corrigan onto the pod myself rory met last year when we did a pantomime a local pantomime rory it's been eight months since we did that pretty much how are you doing thanks for coming on to the Danke Wellness Project podcast yeah I'm happy to be on it I started um started listening to it when we were doing Pullman Car Hiawatha in March yeah. it, was, it was your podcast with Jer yeah and you did one with Rachel as well that got me I yeah two was, former guests on the podcast yeah Jer O'Shea yeah. and Rachel Lally and like personally like I like listening to them when you know the guest as well yeah I find that to be uh, interesting and it was cool hearing that and I thought I'd love to come on and just See what it's like, you know? Well, that's actually interesting because that was my first question for you, I suppose. It was when you, as an 18-year-old, then 17-year-old, turning 18, heard that I was doing the podcast, you kind of approached me, because you had listened to someone who you knew on it, yeah. you were into the whole idea of what I was doing. But how does an 18-year-old come around to saying, okay, I want to go public with my ideas on mental health and wellness? Like, what was going on for you? Ah. Uh... I don't really know. It kind of just... Like, I've never had a problem talking about it before. Like, whenever any of my mates are dealing with something, I'm always the one with the, the somewhat unwanted advice. <laughs> so it's like, all right, at least in this somewhat official forum, it's wanted advice. Yes. You know, and I have, I, like, I have no problem talking about it. And I noticed as well, a lot of the guests are older. Mm. And I was thinking maybe if people are listening that are my age... There might be, I might say something in the next hour, 45 minutes or whatever that they can pull from it that they may not have already. Just yeah, well, the, to be honest with you, that's what I was struck by because I had not been approached by anybody, I suppose, below the edge of, of 30 about coming onto the pod. And uh, it never really occurred to me that, you know, I think it's so important that somebody of your generation mm. uses this platform to help others of your age and i know that a lot of your friends will probably listen to this i um, hope so people that you know who are your age will listen to this and my hope out of this episode is that they will get something from your experience that they could take into their lives you know well, i really hope so too because I, I was talking to a lad in my year recently about how like not enough lads especially really actually talk hmm. about mental health so i'm kind of hoping that like by being so comfortable doing it, more lads can go to, not necessarily me, but like some lad listening to this will say, oh, I can actually talk to my friend about this now. Well, the most listened to episode of the podcast is Donald Brady. And he was a, a man who, a young man, he's 23, and he went through a very difficult situation. Um, and it continues to be the most listened to episode because I feel that people around of his age, a lot of them listen to it. And a yeah. lot of them, like well, you were saying to your friend, they couldn't... They didn't have, I suppose, a, a way of talking about it that mm. allowed them to open up easily. And through yeah. him doing that episode, he got in conversations with so many of his friends and so many people who he'd never met before. Yeah. And it really opened the door for them. It's getting the door open to talk mm. about it. It's getting the opportunity. Like when you were talking to your friend um, who was in your year, like you've just finished the secondary... Just finished leaving. you finished now. secondary school in Ireland. Yeah. And the leave and search for my listeners over in Canada and America is basically the state exam that you take after you finish. Um, also the biggest second. hassle of your life. Yeah. The biggest hassle well, you'll you're ever building do up over to it here. For, what, 16, Six years. Seven, <laughs> Six, seven years. Yeah. So when you were talking to your friend and he 
like was he saying that there wasn't opportunities to talk about it or that not that there wasn't opportunities because i mean with social media now everyone has an opportunity to talk about it Mm. like everyone has the means everybody has the audience there but people just don't Mm. whether through i suppose accusations of attention seeking which does unfortunately exist and like you never want to call people out on that so i guess it's just kind of like there doesn't seem to be a lot of genuine sort of talking about it from my age group it's really hard to tell which is like a genuine interest in wellness or like superficial does that make sense yeah it it can be it can be kind of hard to tell because on social media everyone can do it yeah they have the opportunity to Mm. but do they yeah exactly so it can be kind of hard to tell sometimes. So I said, sure, if I come on here, then people know that's a, a genuine person I can go to if I'm struggling with something. Fantastic. I mean, that is the best reason to come on to it. Pretty much. Because like I'd, I'd, ha- like, I'd put up stuff on Facebook or Snapchat, and I have more of a reputation of having an offensive sense of humor. And I've had people come at me saying, like, you don't understand anything about wellness. And it's like, if you knew me, actually. Yeah. So I'm hoping this would change some... It's happening already. I'm hoping, <laughs> this yeah. This is the episode, man. This We're is, here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that me and you, two men, young men from Ireland, one of the most at-risk groups from for self-harm, mm. um, you know, are sitting here talking about it, similar that it's been with me and loads of other young Irish men who have sat here and talked about it. So let's get into it, man. Um, yeah. Any... What has brought you to the point in your life now where you feel comfortable at such a young age discussing mental health? Well, I suppose, so for years, I didn't even really know what it was. So, like, getting, like, bullying in primary school is usually a fairly uh, common, like, starting point for anxiety and depression and things like that. That's what I found. I'd say about 9 out of 10 people that I've talked to with anxiety issues have been bullied at some point or another. Mm. And... So that started when I, my mom first said to me, would I consider counselling when I was about 12? Okay, so you had experienced bullying in primary yeah, school at this point? Yeah, pretty much the whole way through. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, but but that kind of bullying where you're not even really sure. It's very much like, like it's never it's never what it looks like on the TV shows. No one's like shoving your head into a bathroom. It's always like, yeah. do you hear what your man said about you? And then you go to ask him, it's like, I never said that. So by the end of eight years of primary school, you're kind of a paranoid Okay. Nutter, do you know what I mean? You don't okay, really so know. It, it was under the surface mm. as opposed to blatant. Yeah, and sorry, the primary school I was in is very much a, like you had to be a certain way to do well, kind of. Say a bit more about that. Well, I don't, I don't want to like like crap on a primary school now. No, no, we're not going to talk about the primary school, but say a bit more about having to be a certain way to succeed. So it was kind of in the school I was in. It was very much a case of like the people who were good at sports and wealthy did well. Right. And you wouldn't be so much held down for that, but there was always kind of an attitude of you're just outside our circle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that kind of where it came from early on. Yeah. And then my mom said to me, would you consider counselling? And I was only 12, so I was like, no, no, not at all. No way. And for a couple of years, it would kind of come and go throughout. Like, I would have been awkward, I'd say, up until... Like, I, would, I wouldn't have been very good with people until... I'd say transition year, I was about 15 or 16. Okay. And I only became good with people when I decided to start counselling in transition year. Interesting. So, like, I wouldn't talk about my worries the whole way through until late 2015, I kind of decided, I'll probably give this counselling thing a go because it's getting to the point now where I'm not really able to deal with it on my own. Yeah. And as soon as I went to counselling and I started actually talking, I was like, Talking makes this infinitely better. Wow, amazing. Uh, But I know that doesn't work for some people. A lot of people I've talked to have said they've been sent to counsellors and it doesn't work. And my mindset to that is, if I had been made to go to a counsellor when I was 12, I would have been very standoffish about it. You have to wake up one day and realise, I want to go. If someone makes you go, immediately there's like a defensive kind of It's a, it's a, such an important point that you make. Um, I'm training to be a psychotherapist at the mm. moment. And one of the big things about the therapeutic relationship is it's a relationship. Mm. It's something that both people enter into and agree upon a set of boundaries, a set, you know, how the therapy is going to go. So I completely take your point that if, for example, if I was in a job in a few years when I'm qualified 
and all of my clients have been ordered to be there. Yeah. I know that that's not going to be in any way as effective as therapy when I sit down with somebody, mm. come to an agreement, they're there because they want to be there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think you're absolutely spot on. Like it has to be something that both parties agree and to for you, for the client specifically to get mm, the most out but of. As well as that, like some people just don't gel. Like yeah. sometimes you go in, it's like if you go into, into a room, you, you won't be friends with everyone in it. Some yeah. people just don't click that way. And people go in and they're like, I just didn't feel comfortable with my counsellor. It's like, it doesn't mean they're bad at it. It's just, you just aren't compatible. You're you have not to a good match. It. You just don't, ma- yeah, you just don't match that way. And yeah. people are like, like the amount of people I've heard say <laughs> counselling doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work for you. And maybe you've went, if you go into it with that mindset, it won't work. No. So you kind of have to just try everything. Yeah. Yeah, see, these are the insights that I was struck by when we met first because I'm just, I do work with 17 to 23 year olds in my job mm. who have been in the care system. And I'm con- that was only after I met you that I started that job. And now what I'm coming to realize is people who are 17, 18, 19, 20 have so much insight mm. that I completely discarded. Yeah, a lot of prior people. Prior to that. I'm not, not throwing you into this, but a lot of older people are like, ah, they're teenagers. It'll pass. They don't know what they're no, worried please about. please throw me into it. <laughs> Did you do that? that's what I was like. Of course it A was. lot of people do that. I probably will when I'm older as well, even after all this. I'll still do it. It's just like well, people I, think. Well, I would wager that you won't, but well, I, I, hope think, not, I think it but is a common thing. It is, kind Do of. you find that uh, to be a difficult thing to overcome? Um, see, I work really hard, personally, to try and change the notions of like my generation being entitled or lazy or whatever mm. but for everything I'll put up that's like insightful and meaningful I'll have someone else my age just ruin it just yeah. undo all the work you're like you know? dude come it's on like, I'm trying this is why we got our bad rep man yeah like especially like I won't get into it too much but like around the uh, the referendum in May yeah I was I was trying my very best, you know, civilized debates, you know, yeah. put up educated posts. And I had people my own age making points. And it's like, you're giving the older generation arguments against us yeah. here. Yeah. Like, you're, we're, like, I'm trying to show that, like, we're not entitled. We're not lazy. We actually have insights. Yeah. And then you just have some of the worst put together responses yeah. I've ever seen. Well, that's what struck me when we met. So I, I, I realized very quickly that you have given a lot of very serious topics a lot of thought Mm. and when I think back to I'm 37 now when I think back to when I was 17 I certainly hadn't given the important topics you know that much thought I was thinking about my mental health but I didn't have the language around it so that's why I was struck by your ability Mm. to you know verbalize your struggles verbalize things that you were going through it's because I spent way too long thinking I just spent way too long thinking. Do you think it happened between that time when you were 12 and that time when you were 15? You you, you said that you didn't talk to really anybody in that period until you decided mm. finally at 15, okay, i got to, you know, we yeah. to talk about this. It didn't really hit me because from when, from when I was 12 to when I was 15, it was very much the angsty teenager phase, the emo phase, and I was like, this is this will pass. And then when I got to 15, I was like, nah, this is kind of an issue I probably should deal with. How did you know that it was... Oh, because it started to, when anxiety starts to affect you physically, like I remember during transition year around around Christmas of 2016, I think I lost 6kg over a week from not being able to eat properly. And then I was like, nah, I'm not, I can't, like I need to do, I went to a GP and they were like, you have anxiety, you probably should do this stuff. Yeah. And then it got to that point. It means reaching out to counseling. Yeah. yeah. Basically once I couldn't eat food anymore, that was when I decided Okay. you're not taking food away from me I will beat this yeah. that was the deciding factor for me I think and that was a huge protective factor for you and again great insight for someone of such a young age at 15 to know okay this is spilling over into physical yeah, like and that's mm, not something I'm willing to no, no. to put up with because you just once it starts to affect you physically it then it starts to bleed into everything else you know you can't like enjoy anything when you're hungry all the time but you have no appetite mm. do you know what I mean and then you're hungry and then you're annoyed because you're hungry and then it's not it's going to get worse so yeah. you kind of have to when it starts to affect you physically that's when i say okay yeah and that's a good marker for you mm. to have i suppose as you you know you're branching into adult life now yeah. 18 in may or april yeah it? march there in march yeah. during the show actually during the show that we did yeah so that is a good marker to mm. have for yourself if you do or when you do go through difficult times as you get older you'll know, okay, oh shit, I'm back at the point where it's 
impacting me physically. I yeah, need to really I was back. At, I I was back at that point about a week or two ago. Okay. And as soon as I realized that, like immediately, I went back to the GP. I went back to counseling. As soon as it gets to that point, there's no like dragging my heels about it. It's like mm. okay, because it's it's a permanent thing. Like you, it's a, it's like weight loss to me. You manage it yourself all the time. But sometimes it gets a bit too difficult to do on your own, so you kind of might have to go somewhere else to yeah. get a little bit of help with it. Yeah. And then you get back up to like a sort of a solid baseline, and you can do it on your own again for yeah. however long it might be. Yeah. So you have that ability now to know, okay, I need to go to my GP. I need to yeah, get pretty much extra support around me. And you've obviously got a very supportive family yeah. and group of friends, yeah. do you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. How would you say that that? Having those two things, family or supportive family and friends, has helped you. Family are great. Just even in a practical sense, they don't mind bringing me to the counselling. Just that way, yeah. like just talking purely practically. Like the fa- my counsellor said that to me. The fact that on short notice, my mom will drop whatever she's doing and bring me up is insane. Yeah, and just it just helps because like because with family in a good family situation, you know, they have your back hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Like I've talked to a couple of friends and this is where I'm not able to give advice. I've talked to a couple of friends with anxiety or depression that don't have a supportive of a family. And I can't really give advice in that situation because yeah. I don't know what I would do if yeah. I didn't have supportive family or friends. Yeah. So that's when I'm kind of like, I don't well, have no do you know advice. what you could do though. You have experience of, I'm sure friends coming in and out of your life. Ooh, you yeah. do know about people having the ability to choose who they surround themselves mm. by oh, yeah. and who they give their energy to. So I do think that you will be in a position, you know, to maybe say to somebody in that situation who doesn't have a supportive family mm. to make sure that they are careful about the friends, yeah. the people that they choose. Yeah, have, you, my... have you been through that where you've had to maybe cut some people what out? Day, what so... day is today? Saturday. <laughs> I had to cut out one of my best friends Thursday, okay. two days ago, and that whole situation was honestly kind of like the thing that got me back in, like back into the anxiety hole, and now kind of back out of it again as well. It's that whole situation that needed yeah. to be resolved. When you have resolved it, you feel closer to your other mates after it because you realize what your real mates look like. Okay, so that's really important because. Because you never really know who has your back until you're going through struggle, right. and then you see who comes out and who supports you and who doesn't, and, and it's that's really a tough affirming. To learn, isn't it? It's tough, but, but also affirming, affirming as yeah, well. Affirming is a great word for mm. it, because I suppose that when you take a step that you took, um, I've had to do it myself many times. Um, it can be scary as fuck when you're <laughs> doing it, particularly if you're in a situation where you are not aware that you're surrounding yourself with people who aren't supporting you the way you need them to like until that awareness happens Mm. you can't do anything you just think this is the way it is and i would wager that a lot of people who do go through very difficult mental health particularly around your age group as well um you know the way you'd have a group of friends that you've grown up with Mm. you've had people that are around you all the time so it's just the way it is yeah inverted commas so to change that's very difficult but yeah. it is, as you said, very like, and like I have friends who may not be like verbally supportive in the sense that, you know, you wouldn't sit down necessarily and talk it out with them, but you know that like they'll have your back if needed. And sometimes you can just hang out with them, takes your mind off it. So yeah. you don't necessarily have to talk about it, just knowing where right, this friend absolutely has your back. Like yeah. sometimes that's all you need, really. Yes, absolutely. It's not all it doesn't always have to be a full blown podcast recording. No, not at all. Or a full blown, you know, uh, conversation. Conversation pouring your heart out over coffee. Sometimes it is just the fact that you know that this person is there for yeah. you. And probably if you did break your silence, you know it will be received well. Yeah. Yeah. That's crucial, right? Oh yeah. Because I've met people who've been crushed because they did take advice of people like me and built up the courage because they thought that this other person who had mm. they thought that these other people were supportive and then they did break their silence and their heart was broken because yeah. they didn't get the response they needed. I mean, so you have to be careful about who it is. That, oh yeah, I mean, that's the kind of risk that you have to take, I suppose, with this because if you don't reach out to anybody, it, it'll get worse. So you kind of have to break a few eggs to make the omelet the proverbial omelet in that situation yeah sometimes yeah, that's a really apt analogy mm. like no i've i've found that out the hard way so like roughly i will say i'll say about eight months ago as well i was friends with someone and 
I don't know if you have any experience with this, but when you're in a good place and you get to know someone and they're like, oh, and they have this like opinion of you in your head or in their head and they start to think of you a certain way, but then your mood crashes, you go through anxiety and the personality changes and all of a sudden they can't deal with you yeah. anymore. Yeah. You become like too much and then they're would gone. this person actually say it to you? Or would they just go? No, they left. You? Okay. They left. And, uh, yeah, I, that's crushing. It is crushing. It's bothered me for a while and it happens yeah. occasionally. And when it, But when it does happen, you kind of just have to like, I would, I'm better off without them long term. But for that while, it's just it's painful, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you a bit about creativity because mm. you are a creative, for want of a better phrase. Well, it's actually the perfect phrase. This is for yeah. want of a better phrase. You are a creative young man. Um, you did a smashy job acting with me in the panto last. Oh, thank you. And in the in the show that we did earlier on the year, Pullman Karhayawatha. So yeah, I learned I mean, so much from that play. Yeah, oh. I mean, I've a lot of experience of being creative, singing, playing music, acting for now probably 20 years. And I would wager that it's the time when I am being creative is the time when I feel my best. Yeah, absolutely. What, what is your assessment of how, you know, being creative impacts your own mental health? Oh, well, it's, it's kind of weird in the sense that I'm at my most creative when my mood is my lowest. Interesting. That's, that's when all the ideas start to flow is when my mood's at my lowest. Like, some of when I'm acting, some of my best performances are when I'm at my lowest, which is kind of counterproductive as well. Because yeah, I like... Totally it really, to say it really is. It seems... The better I'm doing on stage, it's the worse I am off it, mm. to be quite honest. And I don't know why that is. So you've just basically rubbished my whole uh, theory there. Well, no, but creativity makes me feel better long-term. Okay, say a bit more about that. Then. So, like, I'll be, I'll be in a bad mood. I'll be in a lower place and then I'll get a really good idea and that idea or that creative drive will take me out of the low place. But the best ideas always come to me when I'm in that kind of reflective state. Okay. So when you're sitting there and you're kind of, you're withdrawn, you don't really feel like going out, but then some something, it just seems to come to me easier. This is really interesting because I, I kind of relate to it. Yeah, you're right. Like, I, I mean, mean, if you think of all the best works ever, it's always about heartbreak or loss or something. Or love. It, yeah. yeah. Usually not, like, in a good no, way, love, though. not in a good way, yeah. Yeah, all of the best works are usually written in a way... Because, out of pain. Yeah, because I think it's, like... Because when I write... Because I started writing scripts there in January. I've gotten sort of into the more, like, behind-the-scenes aspect of acting as well. And... Because I like writing characters that have a struggle and it's harder to write a struggle when you're in a good place. Like I find it much easier to write a struggle when you're currently in one. Because yeah. it seems, to, it feels more genuine to me. Yeah. Like it's harder to recreate. Because if I'm in a really good mood, it's really hard to write someone that yes, isn't. To I put always yourself find. in that mind mm. frame when you're in a good mood is nearly impossible. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, do you know how sometimes when you're in the low place, yeah. you're in a hole and it's like, you forget what being happy is like. Yeah. But then when I'm in well, a... it's like when you have a cold I, and you forget mm, yeah, what happened breathing a, is like... A clear nose is like... Mm, yeah, well, I haven't been able to breathe when I was in my two years, so I don't remember. But um, but then when I'm in a really good place, I almost can't quite remember the pain of it. Like Interesting. It's kind of... Like, I can remember it. It's like, oh, that was a rough time. But it's dulled. Like, I'll never get that creative burning until I'm actually in that yeah. lower place. Plus, all of my writing and creativity started when I was upset about something. That's really, really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this because you're right. Most of, well, a lot of amazing works, whether it's music, writing, acting, whatever, come, has come out of people who have been really suffering. Mm. So what I need to ask you now is when you are in that very anxious, very low, whatever state that brings your ideas up, how do you motivate yourself to actually act on those ideas? Mm-hmm. It depends. You know what, I mean? depends. You know what I'm asking? Yeah, because I you do. can have all the ideas in the world, but actually motivating yourself to put a structure around them create creatively. Um, I'm really interested in how you push yourself there. Well, so usually my process will be: I'll come up with an idea, I'll run it by a couple of people, and if the feedback's like, like, or I'll sit on an idea for a while because a friend of mine likes writing too, and he'll come up with an idea. But then as he talks to me about it, I'll realize there's not a lot you can get from it. Hmm. Like it's just kind of an idea. So I'll come up with an idea and I'll sit on it for a while and I'll see if I could create it 
decent story out of it. Yeah. And then I'll kind of write like a basic plot summary of where I'd want it to go. And then I'll send it around to a couple of people that I trust that kind of know the way I think. And it's like, could you see that working as a story? And if they say, yeah, then I kind of just, I sit and I spend some time kind of like visualizing how I would see it in my head. And then someday I'll just probably get the urge to start writing dialogue then. Yeah. Pretty much. But it's, well, it's, sure it's a very you like... you have to force yourself if you're not feeling great to do that. Yeah, you would do. You would kind of have to. But then when you get into it, it just, just keeps going. I, and when I'm saying force yourself, I'm not saying that in a negative light. I know like, my tone kind of intimated that it was a negative light. I'm thinking of my own experience when I feel down or low. I'm not fit for fucking anything. Not a thing. Not anything. Not a thing. But I've managed to figure out a way to force myself to do some physical training or, you know, force myself to get up and go to work. Yeah. I usually just guilt myself into it, to be honest. It's like, okay, just get up. Go on. Go on. Just get up and go at it. Like, because I'm sitting there and, like, I'll, I've sent out an idea recently and it was like, everyone's like, you have to write this. This is good. And it's like, everyone's saying it's good. I must, I have to give it a try now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because the positive reinforcement, because I always used to, like, write when I was a kid, but I get, like, halfway through it and then just be like this is terrible I'm not doing this and just give up on it so now I have people like I'll send them feedback and it's like how does this work it's very much like a collaborative process and like I won't let people necessarily like change it yeah but I'll see does this work would this work better I like the back and forth about yeah I like that kind of way of doing it it keeps me motivated too keeps me sharp with it yeah and I've, I've mentioned this um point a number of times in previous episodes Tony Robbins mm-hmm. always says right for the bin Mm. you know write as if you know you're gonna put this in the trash put this in the waste paper basket he says you know it's not really something yeah. we say every day waste no. paper basket but yeah that's his advice for writers who are whether it's writer's brop writer's block or whether they're feeling completely unmotivated and it goes for all creatives mm. write just do it without any thought of that it has to flourish into yeah the end product yeah and he so, said that most people who follow through with that and force themselves to mm. do it when they're not feeling great come up with their best stuff yeah see i always because i tend to like see the project before i write it so an idea will come into my head and it's like can i actually do something with this and i'll just sit down with it for a while and then eventually i will and i'll see, like i'll see the finished product in my head but I might write the first draft of it, then reread it later and go, oh, I don't like this, this, this. Yeah. Like it's the final draft. The final product is what I write, but it's so fluid. Yeah. And like I'll, I'll reread it multiple times. If I see there's a certain character or moment that doesn't work, I have no issue like taking it out, yeah. rewriting it from scratch. So you're, not, like you're, you're not precious about your first draft? Of no, not at all. Not at all. I've looked back at the first, first full draft I ever wrote of anything was not good. I've looked back. I've written. I've rewritten a new draft. I'll email it to you later if you're curious. Absolutely. But I say I say you find it an interesting read actually. <laughs> but um, no. I my first draft of anything I wrote was not great because I didn't understand the concept of character development that well. Okay. In the sense, like the first thing I wrote was very odd, like very centered on the main character, and I didn't really notice why that was a problem at first. But then when I rewrote the draft, I was like, there has to be more characters around them. So, or otherwise his story doesn't really matter as much because it doesn't feel like it's affecting anybody else. Oh, okay. And that's all stuff you just learn over time. Yeah, that's cool. So you start your process when you're feeling shit. Do you continue it when you're feeling better? Or Usually, do you find, yes. Do you find yourself stunted when you're feeling good? No, once I have the idea when I'm down, I can okay. keep it going. Yeah. Once I have the idea, but yeah. like I haven't had any ideas in a while. But I have. But I came up with like, I had so many ideas in like from say January to March. Yeah. That. It was a rich vein of creativity. Yeah, for you. so I have enough to mine to last me for a while. Yeah, I think. What do you think about you know the way we we've done two shows together? Mm. So the show obviously is not just the performance dates; it's the rehearsals, it's the frustration, it's the learning the lines, mm. it's the coming together of people. I absolutely adore all of that. Let, I'll, I'll get. Okay, sorry, I'm gonna I, ask you now. Yeah, I know you're dying to talk I'm about jumping this. Ahead there, no, no, I'm it's sorry. Cool. No, you're dying to talk about it, and I can see your eyes light up. Yeah. when I am saying what I'm saying because my experience of performance, I love being on stage, I love mm. singing, I love acting, I love you know, nailing a performance it's the best feeling mm. in the world but actually if you dig deeper into it it's the community around the performance and the people you meet for me mm. that makes it so special 
and yeah. gives the post show blues such force. Yeah. So what's your um See, your take on that? I never got to experience post show blues in the past year. Okay. Because I went from the Moat Panto to the Brian Brady Panto to Pullman Car Hiawatha yeah. to the Brian Brady musical. And then within you just a managed year. to squeeze your leave. And then I have you just had my leaving sort in there at the end as an anecdote, but like <laughs> That was that was not my focus. Well, talk to me about how that community impacts you. Oh, it's it's the most important thing, or one of the most important things about it. If why? The, I can't. I honestly don't really know why. There's just something so satisfying about how everybody from such different backgrounds all get on so well. Different ages. Different. different it doesn't matter where you're yeah. from, what you're doing in that run of shows everybody is so close i think that's because of everyone's inherent fear of making a mistake you have to rely on each other so closely i don't think it's that i, I do take your point i think it's everybody working towards the common goal of absolutely mm. smashing this show. yeah that is, yeah that's true everyone's working towards the same thing but in order for that goal to be achieved you must have the utmost of faith in your cast members yeah to help you out with that like yes. So everybody's just so reliant on each other to do well. And the like if someone's nervous backstage, they won't be left. Like there'll always always be somebody coming up talking to you. Yeah, do you know so what I mean? So. Dude, what we're talking about here is connection between mm. human beings, you know? Yeah. And I've been banging this drum for years. I feel at my best and I feel most alive when I'm like right now I feel so alive because I'm looking at you and we're engaged in this beautiful conversation yeah, it's on, great. on episode 43 of the Dan Kyo Wellness Project podcast where a 37 year old from Salons and an 18 year old from Nice are sitting in a room and we're engaging working towards this goal of creating a podcast yeah. that can help other people yeah absolutely that exact dynamic happens when you're doing a show yeah you're working with other people as you said from different ages and backgrounds yeah. you're connecting mm, exactly and like there's been some people I've met from shows where you form like long-term bonds with them mm. do you know what i mean or even if like you won't necessarily because i haven't stayed i haven't necessarily stayed in touch with everyone from panto but when you meet up again it's back to business it's like you never yeah. left do you know what i mean it's yeah. like the team what is it what does it remind me of it's like the avengers everyone just comes back together for the big project and then goes does their own thing yeah, and then comes yeah, back yeah. together again another good analogy you're good at oh, oh yeah no analogies is my thing yeah. i can pull <laughs> yeah. them out anywhere i think the listeners will be, will be thinking that this dude has got some uh really good analogies going on yeah no but that's how i always felt about it especially with pullman car because it was such a small group and we were all so different yeah and everyone in that seemed to have their own project going on yeah as well and then if, I hope that group, I hope we all get together to do some play oh, I'm at sure some point in the future. eventually. So come here, you mentioned bullying in um, primary school. Yeah. That was obviously extremely traumatic and difficult for you. Yeah. And you've made your own way through life to this point, having dealt with it to the best of your ability. What do you think about the prevalence of social media in terms of how disconnected people become from each other but yet how insidious it can be in terms of bullying what's your experience what's your and your friends experience of that mm, see cyberbullying has never really been a thing for me mm. in the sense that like because for me you can turn it off <laughs> or for, but not everybody can like when i say that people are like no you can't i personally don't mind as much i find it easier to say step away from my phone yeah. or block the person than to walk into a room knowing there's someone there that doesn't like me. Yeah. I find the in-person much more painful, but I can see how someone will feel more attacked when it's in their own home yeah. and they may not have the willpower to block them Yeah. in the sense that like, oh, what are they saying about me behind my back? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like, I don't really... Because I think, I think acting has honestly helped me a lot with this and doing YouTube is... If I'm insulted behind a screen, I don't feel it. Okay, good. Because of just being... But that's something you've obviously had to develop. Yeah, oh yeah. First making YouTube videos when you're 13 and people start <laughs> roasting you. you. You learn to develop a thick skin for cyberbullying pretty quickly. Yeah. And also, But there again, are a lot of people... A lot of people don't have that. ...who are suffering with mm. this, particularly even younger than yourself. Probably, you know, it's people, kids as young as 10 have smartphones now. You know, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, I think that's... I didn't get a phone until I was 12 and that was like a Blackberry type thing it's like a Nokia 
So like yeah. I didn't have a smartphone till I was like fifteen. Yeah. So like I was well, I had an iPad when I was twelve, but like I learned it's kind of a trial by fire type thing on social yeah. media. You kinda you learn what to say, what not to say. But I suppose if I live by anything on social media, it's don't say anything you wouldn't say in person. Mm. So like I'll say some anything I share on Facebook, any opinionated rant for want of a better word, I'll I will say it to your face as well. Yeah. And that's I think that's why I don't really get too phased by yeah. cyberbullying too much well, yeah that's um, you've obviously developed a really good way of dealing with it for yourself and I think a lot of your peers will take you know notes mm. of the fact that you have developed a way of putting the phone down walking away but I think more effectively blocking anybody oh yeah that even you get a sniff that they're gonna you know start acting up and start bullying I don't, you I don't, I don't mind the confrontation necessarily because I'll post stuff, and I like the discussion. I actually do like when people come at me with like coherent points. Yes, of course, actually, but that's a different thing. That's right? a different thing. But then when it starts to get kind of venomous or whatever, I know I have a short temper, so it's like before I make myself look bad, yeah. I have to stop this. Yeah. And sometimes I don't get in early enough, and it's like I've lost yeah. my argument now. Yeah. But it's best, I suppose, if I had to give advice to anybody worrying about cyberbullying, if you know that person doesn't have the balls to say it to your face. Like, if you know they're not actually going to say it to your face, yeah. I wouldn't block worry them. about it. Yeah, block them. Because then they're not going to go anywhere near you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what people say about you behind your back because it's not going to affect you really long term. If yeah. you just, if you just kind of, you kind of need to just like, with social media, you kind of need to just step back and look at it and think, does it actually matter? Does being on this app actually make my life better or worse? Or rather like, do do people complaining about me to total strangers really get to me? Yeah. Like, if I put up something, and I don't know, this girl sees it, it's like, oh, you'll never guess what this lad put up. He's a horrible human being. It's like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if, so you do have to take control of what you expose yourself to. Yeah. I think, I I think social media some, is great when you have a thick skin. If you take everything to heart, you shouldn't be on it. Yeah, but I do take your point as well that some people don't feel able mm. to block don't feel able to confront because if you're being you know targeted by mm. not one not two maybe three four five people i mean that can be extremely demeaning and it's just as impactful in my view as in-person bullying mm. oh, I've been except it's in your own bedroom mm. i've been upset by that myself i got uh, around february i got added to a group chat by these two lads and they start having a go at me about something that really upset me and I had to go back and forth for a little bit and it was kind of getting to me and then I just went like, this lad, these lads are my school. They're not going to say an absolute word to me in person because they have no spine and I just blocked them and it bothered me for about a day and then I just, nobody said a thing to me in school and as soon as they didn't, didn't, didn't phase me in the slightest. Okay. I just called her a bluff on it yeah. and that was it then. Yeah, you so took, you that took would control be, of your situation. Mm, that would be my advice to people is just, if it, like, I mean, you have to give up some control because we can't control everything and if you try to, it will usually make things worse. But you can affect how you deal with other people. Yeah. So if you're being put in a situation where you're in a fight that you don't need to be in, you don't have to be in it. Just leave it. Yeah. It's just developing that skill which takes yeah. time and you can't do it instantly. No, but, Took, it can, but it, the, the hopeful you know things yeah. come out of this conversation is that it can be done and yeah. you're, you're doing it. It took me years to do it but I just started younger. Yeah. So, but it took me a while. Like, I couldn't do that. I was like, honestly, only about in the past year or so, I've learned the ability to step away from an argument. I never would have had that before. So, yeah. I've learned fairly recently. That's a great skill to have, man. Yeah. Because I was getting, my, my mouth gets me into trouble quite a bit. Like, <laughs> well, not today. No, not today. Hopefully. Today you're doing a stellar job. I'm trying really hard not to say anything controversial. <laughs> oh, well, this podcast is probably the least uh, controversial That's what thing I'm on, the, on the World Wide Web, so don't mm. be worried too much. So, Kabir, what do you want people of your age to know about talking, about opening up um, in terms of their mental health? People don't mind listening. Okay. Because I know, personally, I felt like when I go to my friends, am I a burden? Am I weighing them down with what I say? And people have said, like, oh, I don't want to go to you because I don't want to add your problem. Or I don't want to add my problem onto yeah. your pile. Yeah. And what I've said to that is, I love when people come to me with their issues. Yeah. Because 
one of the things that weighs on my mind sometimes, the thing that will put me in a low place is a feeling of no value. Okay. I feel like I don't matter to other people. Mm. So when people come to me and they say, I have a problem and I need you to help me, it makes me feel, I don't know if it's selfish, but I feel really good about myself when There's that happens. There's nothing wrong with that level of selfishness. That's a, I think that's a that's fair, a that's a fair positive thing. Yeah, I like when people not necessarily rely on me because I may not always be there. But when people come to me and they say, I need you for this situation, can you help me? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I don't consider adding it to my pile. It's like, okay, I'm taking my focus off me because I have too much focus on me. The yeah. wor- like sometimes when you get, sometimes when I get into a low place, my problem is the worst one <laughs> and I'll get a bit of perspective. Well, of course it is. It's your problem. It is always, my problem is always the worst one until <laughs> I see someone else's and it's like, yeah. I'm doing okay. I completely agree with you, man. I think that, certainly when I've had my own periods of feeling very down I nearly go into overdrive of um, you know trying to use my interpersonal mm. skills to assist yeah. my friends um, wherever I can and it, it does make you feel better it is selfish and it's beautiful like one of one of my classic sayings when my mates are helping me through something is not that I wish any pain upon you but I kind of hope you're in a bad place so I can help you. <laughs> That's one of my sayings. It's like, I want to be able to return the favor, but yeah. in order to do that, you have to be in a lot of pain. So it's a it's confusing... It's like a really uh, weird way of showing your appreciation for their yes, friendship. Yes, exactly, yeah. It's very odd. Yeah. It's like, if you're ever in this bad a spot, I will help you, but yeah. I hope you're not. But if you are, I'm here. I have heard it from a lot of people that they don't feel that they can open up because they don't want to burden other people. But what we're saying is... Burden us. Burden us. It gives us Burden meaning. the shit out of us. Yes, it gives us meaning. Because it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Exactly, yeah. And then there's sometimes where I might not be able to deal with it, but I'll say, I will absor- I'll take this on and I'll give you advice later. There, there are times when I have my own things that I have to resolve that I won't be able to help other people. <clears throat> but then I just won't offer. Well, you, t- you talk a lot about giving advice. Mm. And I am here to tell you that... Sometimes not saying anything at all is the most effective help you can give somebody. Yeah, exactly. There's there's times when you don't really know what to say, and it, they're like that. Actually, that happened to me recently. A friend of mine's dad passed away, right. and we were only eighteen. It was during his leaving, sir. Oh, his no. dad passed away, diagnosed with cancer, died in a week. Oh my god! During <laughs> leaving, sir, and he comes to me and he just tells me that text, and you you have no idea what to say. No, of course not. There's nothing you can say. So all I said was, "I'm here if you need me." That's all, because that's all you can say. If I had said something like, oh, he's in a better place now. He knows me. He just That just sounds insincere coming out of my mouth. Yeah, well, he, he knew that you were not so, going to respond that way, I'm sure. Yeah, so I just said to him, I'm here if you need anything. That's yeah. Sometimes that's all people need to know is that like they might not need you right now, but if they do, they can go to you. Yes, if they know you're available, or if you, uh, conversely, if you know that other person is available, that can sometimes be enough. Yeah, sometimes just knowing that they're there is all even you if need. You're not like, reach, if, even if you don't reach out, that can be a huge comfort. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, that did you know that the words listen and silent have the same letters? I didn't until now. That's very interesting. Yeah, found that out recently. I think it's so just amazing coincidence. Is that, that can't be a coincidence. Well, it can't be, surely. Is that it? has to be planned. Whoever invented the words. Well, I'm as I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to be a psychotherapist, and, and one of the, or well, the top skill that you have is to listen. Oh yeah. And say nothing. <laughs> it's so yeah. counterintuitive, right? Yeah. It's I counterintuitive think... because you want to reach out. You want to verbalize mm. that you understand someone's yeah. suffering, and that's appropriate. But yeah. In the at the right moment. Yes, I think. But I think by listening and not judging, it's showing that you're understanding them. Mm. Just by listening and absorbing it, and maybe see my I, my counselor challenges me mm. in the sense that if I'm if I'm in a paranoid spiral and I'm spouting theories that they're not founded in reality, he's like, "Why are you worrying about this?" Mm. And we break down exactly why I'm worrying about it. And usually by the end of the conversation, it's like I had no reason to be concerned at all. Like he challenges me to justify my own worries and that not in like a pushy way but in like a like why is it bothering you and once you verbalize your anxiety it just makes infinitely less sense out loud yeah it's like when you try and talk about a dream that made total sense and then when you say it out loud it's like 
Oh God. God, there's no coherence <laughs> to that whatsoever. Oh God, why am I like this? <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, that's how I've dealt with it. It's just, hmm. no, he doesn't let me run away with my theories. He yeah. challenges me on them. Well, it sounds like you are engaging and have engaged for a number of years extremely well in your therapeutic process. Mm. Um, that's what every therapist wants from a client who walks into their room. But it also strikes me that you were not just there to, I suppose, get treatment or you know have therapy. You really have taken on board and learned a lot from yeah, I, tr- I try to. It's called psychoeducation, actually. Yeah, okay. It's the have official a, term. I have a term now for that. That's it's good. not great. It's a terrible term. Psycho- Psycho- psychoeducation. But it's when... It sounds misleading. It's when we go to our therapist and through the dialogue that we have, we actually learn more about what the inner workings of our emotions and our I'm brain. fascinated by how our brain works and things like that. Like, I don't know. It just fascinates me so much how... Like our brains are all technically the same. It's just a series of impulses going off, but everybody's completely different. Yeah. Like they all work mechanically the exact same way. Yeah. But every, everybody's different. And yeah. that's really weird to me. Sure. But I'd like to understand why that is. You have but, all your studies ahead of you, bro. Yeah, I know. Speaking of that, you're leaving certain results. Oh, that's Wednesday. Are coming on Wednesday. How are you feeling about that? You know, would it be bad if I said I couldn't care less? Say whatever you want to say, bro. I don't. It's because well, because I've been so focused on my own issues no. lately. I haven't really put a lot of thought into it, mm. and that's probably for the best because I've been dealing with other stuff. I'm kind of at the moment. I'm just more focused, and I'm getting myself to a point where because right now I'm not. I'm not. I don't really have a lot of motivation to do anything. That's mm. one of the sort of just the side effects of being in a low place. Yeah. So I'm hoping to leave in certain results, whatever they are will motivate me in some way yeah do you not find it quite amazing that you're sitting here right now saying that and doing this at the same time yeah that is a little bit weird i said i was unmotivated but i've wanted to no, do I this find it like amazing March. it's brilliant it just goes to show you that mm. you've even if they even though you are going through a low <laughs> period of motivation and are couldn't give a shit about what results you get on wednesday you know, you still came here to yeah. do this and to offer your musings. That's and like the first step of progress. I haven't really left my house in about a week. So that's yeah. kind of like it's huge. an important I think thing. it's important to note that. Because I woke up this morning and I didn't want to do with, I just didn't want to move. And it was like, no, I have to. I said yeah. I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. And yeah. I just kind of was like, you can't not. You've been waiting for too long. <laughs> Get up and do it. You're right. So. I, I was talking to a friend earlier. We met for coffee and I spoke to her at length about the idea of even though you have your struggles and your difficult things that are going on for you, follow through with plans. Mm. Yeah. No matter what, follow through. You, it may, you might have a shit time. I feel bad because I blew off a friend on Thursday. No, no. But I'm saying that this is an idea that I've been developing and noticing yes. about myself. In terms yeah, you of do your weekly I've... plans and things on the well, Sunday. Yes, exactly. Yes. But I've had to force myself mm. so hard the past while to push through, set my goals, follow through is mm. the real, Yeah, is where the magic happens, I believe. Mm. For example, the other day I got up and I didn't feel like you were this morning unmotivated didn't want to do anything i had loads of appointments planned went to each and every one of them and after interaction with each person and coffee with friends and my coffee with my friend uh today i was energized yeah i was in a totally different place than i was before mm. i left it's just yeah it's, it's so important it's just know? it's that first step out the door and once yeah. you're outside you're like oh, i'm out now let's go like yeah. that's it like yeah. once it's just getting yourself up is the hard part of it can be or well, it would be the hardest part for me. Once you start it, it's not so bad. Mm. Once you kind of get into it, and also once you're engaging, I think with another person, I yeah. feel that to be a huge part of it as well. Yeah. Hopefully, if you've chosen right, you'll feel yeah. energized. No, I do feel energized. <laughs> hopefully, no, but I mean in general. Hopefully, if you the person you've chosen to give your energy to yeah. at that time, you know, is good for you, yeah. then you will come out of it, even if it's just feeling ten percent. Mm more motivated or you know yeah. 10% more energized I feel like if you do that a lot you can build it up mm. into a beautiful wellspring of yeah, motivation definitely and, like I think know. yeah like it's it is good that when you're in a low place you need to kind of just interact with other people kind of get yourself out of your own head kind of do something productive so you kind of feel like there's a, a world outside of your own worries yes in that sense that's exactly what I'm saying but 
I also, another like sort of a weight loss analogy is I allow myself cheat days sometimes. So like if I like work really hard and well in the six days a week, but I'm feeling pretty run down. I don't mind being upset that seventh day yeah. because it's kind of like a reset. So I like, I'll, I don't know, I'll just curl up into a ball. I'll watch my movies. I won't be productive because I know that right tomorrow, like you've allowed yourself this day to be down mm. tomorrow. It's back to the grind kind of. That's interesting because I actually when I hear you say that I hear somebody who worked on their wellness seven days. Probably. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? Yeah. I mean that by you lying down and watching the movies and actually you made a decision to do that on that day mm. is you actually looking after yourself. Probably. Because you're re-energizing you're getting yourself ready to get back to the, as you said the grind the next step for the next mm, six i days. think i think it's because a lot of people my age or this is the vibe i get of people i could be wrong and this is why i don't want to like speak on people's behalf in a sense but there seems to be a thing where it's like i'm upset right now for no reason this isn't good and people dwell on that too much and it's like it's okay to be upset sometimes mm. as long as you are aware that there isn't a reason mm. and that the next day you just kind of have to get back at it. You can't yeah. let yourself do that for three or four or five days in a row because now it's a problem again. You can allow yourself one or two cheat days, but then you kind of have to sort of get back into it. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I mean, when you're, you when I do end up in a position where I, I found myself very down for extended period of time and I would, now thankfully, I would classify four days as an extended period of time. Mm. My extended period of time used to be months and years mm. but thankfully I've, I've dragged myself out of that, you know, way of doing things which has culminated in me doing all this yeah. blogging and wellness and interviews and and um, podcasts. Um, but I think that the whole idea that it's okay to not be okay, it's, it's such a thing that runs off the tongue. Mm. but people actually don't realize that it is okay yeah. to not be okay and like that seventh day that you described there again i know i've said it already but i really do think that that was you probably continuing yeah. your wellness process you need a downtime bro yeah you do because it's a full because it's full-time management of your head in that sense yeah like there isn't really an off day when you're looking after yourself like my mate has diab like they're not the same my mate has diabetes and he's working on that all the time but it just kind of becomes second nature once you've lived with something for so long. Yeah. And I sort of view wellness the same way. It's like, it's something that you kind of have to deal with. And sometimes there might be a flare up or it might be worse than others. But then other times you barely even notice that you have it. Interesting. In that I like That's that. It. I like that analogy. Yeah, again, we're back to your, yeah. your it's a analogy. It's a I like the idea that you would refer to a low period as a flare up, like another disease. Yeah. Have. That's how I've always because thought you see it. it. It's in its box, and you know you have a strategy, hopefully, mm. um, of things that you do to get yourself out of that. It's different yeah. for everybody. Everybody's different strategies. Um, but I, I really like that idea of seeing. Okay, this is just a flare up. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's like what you said earlier on when you're sick and you forget what breathing is like. When it flares up, you feel like this is it. Like <laughs> yeah. when you flare up, it's like, oh, I'm gonna be like this forever. I know, and it's having the ability to know that it's not forever. Yeah. Is something that I have been able to. Which and that's where my develop mate, that skill of that's knowing where, at your lowest that it's mm. not gonna last forever. That is probably one that's of the most important skills. That's where my mates come in is reminding me of that fact because mm. sometimes I can't do it on my own, and that's sort of where my mates come in is reminding me that like. Not in a trivial sense, but it's like, man, you got through this a couple months ago. You're yeah. probably going to do it again. Yeah. Just remember that fact, because sometimes you can forget that. Yeah, and on that point, actually, I'd like to recommend something that I've been doing for the... Well, since January every day is, is keeping a journal. Mm. And I always open my... And it's been every day since January. It's something I've never kept with anything that long every day. But it's... um, I always open my journal entries with a mood scale and an energy scale right so out of five it's either one out of five five out of five for both mood and energy physical mm. energy and, and mental energy yeah. and mood so what i did recently i was i had a really bad day i think it was about two or three weeks ago but i had this word document right where i was able to go back and look at and read my words of a time when i wasn't indulgence mm. my mood was i think four energy was four and i read through that time period and, and it kind of helped me yeah. come out of like that was me telling me that it doesn't yeah. last forever 
Yeah, that is so really that's, interesting. That's something that I've developed. I'll and, take and that done on board because I've it's, never it's really, been really impactful. I've thought about it, but I thought about it in a very because my mind is quite analytical. I've thought about it as like a graph as opposed to that. But I like the okay. journal idea because you go back and remind yourself. Pictures are the same too. If you see pictures of yourself when you're in yeah. a good place, I get the same kind of. That's good. Yeah. So whatever it takes. Well, actually, I kind of feel like an old man. It's like, oh, I was happy then. Like that's kind of <laughs> what I do. Curmudgeon. I look like, back. <laughs> it's like, oh. I remember, I don't know what it was. I think I had a picture of myself in 2015 and 2017. Yeah. And my family were like, oh, you look so grown up. But I was like, no, I look tired. That <laughs> yeah, was how yeah. I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's the way I see it. So that's a little tidbit, tidbit that yeah. I'd like to share. And I do blog about it a lot. And obviously the weekly goal setting has been something that's been hugely mm. impactful on me as well. Because it breaks life. I was thinking of doing that myself. The weekly actually. stuff. You know, the long, it the doesn't turn into term. a box ticking exercise because I never get it all done. No. But even the act of sitting there mm. every Sunday up in Costa and Monreed and sitting there, tapping away, have a coffee. Mm. What would I like to achieve this week? And not doing it with the view of I'm less than if I don't achieve this. Yeah, It's, it's like, getting that creative juice flowing. Well, and well, but, it, but it is like actually medically proven. You receive like dopamine in your mind when you tick things off a checklist really yeah it's actually proven like an accomplishment of a goal actually releases dopamine in your mind even if you don't accomplish them all yeah as long as you understand at the start that you probably you may not accomplish them all and you just kind of seeing that satisfaction of marking something off a list actually is proven i to totally your- relate to that man because i'm using this extension on safari at the moment called momentum and i've shared it on my blog a few times it's it's a safari extension or you can get it for chrome or whatever mm. uh, web browser you use and basically it just gives every time you open a new tab on your on your browser there's this beautiful scene and it says what is your main focus for today dan you type in your main focus but there's also a little to-do list in the bottom right hand corner and loads of my friends have started doing this as well because i've been sharing it with them I'm like class this is amazing so when i'm on the train into work every morning i have this to-do list so every time I open another browser, to do the the to do list pops up. Oh, done that, done that. Check. Yeah, them out. I totally so relate even, to what even you're saying. Even that. if they're like the most minute tasks ever. Oh, I, everything's in there, man. Everything goes in there. Brush your teeth. You yeah, know. it's all really small. <laughs> Have like, a shave. It's all little things like that. But so you actually do. Reason. There's actually scientific reasoning hmm. behind that. It releases that. dopamine in your mind. I really, I'll look into it because I really relate to it. Yeah, it's cool. So listen, I've one more question because yeah. we're, we're we're finishing up episode 43 of this beautiful little podcast and it's what does wellness mean to Rory Corrigan if you can put it into a bottle I suppose what I said earlier about like just sort of long term management of your own mind mm-hmm. in that sense because sometimes your mind can feel like your own worst enemy in, for me personally I've almost created like a separate like a, a sort of a separate not necessarily a persona but like the aspects of my personality that I don't like, like when the anxiety is going, that's sort of, that's what's in control kind yeah. of. Yeah. And it's just remembering to kind of keep that, that side kind of regulated Okay. in that sense. So, so your, does your wellness increase with the uh, degree to which you manage to keep that side? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think of it as kind of like a sort of a card, speedometer sort of is like a dial and like when i'm happy i'm here when i'm not i'm here and if it starts to lean into this it's like i'm not really happy of how i act yeah in that sense so it's very much just a case of trying to keep that yeah so voice of worry yeah put a structure for yourself on how yeah how well you think you're managing your own well i honestly i could spend a lot of time talking about that voice as well because we all have it as well it's that little voice of worry in the back of your mind yeah that's like your doubts and i've like created a persona for that voice Mm. and it's like when that voice becomes louder than your rational thoughts that's when you kind of need to bring it back to like a point of balance necessarily nice because that voice is good in moderation because it's the voice that tells you when you think someone's lying to you (laughs) so it's good in moderation you want some of it there yeah but i suppose what does wellness mean is kind of just like long-term management of your brain because people Again, I don't know, I'm not speaking for everyone my age, but there seems to be a, oh, I've been upset for two weeks straight for no reason. I'm like this now. Mm. It's like, no, you just need to kind of... Address it. What is it saying? It's a marathon, not a sprint? Yeah. That, yeah, it's just, it's a constant kind of yeah. ebbing and flowing. Perfect, kinda. perfect. Well, listen, man, 
Best of luck on Wednesday with yeah, your thank you. results. We didn't even talk about what you um, would like to do with your future career, but whatever it is that you end up doing, I wish you the very best. And lastly, thank you so much for being yeah, man, a voice for getting, so pe- happy to be on for getting people of your generation talking about their mental health. I am I view it as a privilege to have you on the podcast. I'm privileged so thank you to so be much on for it. coming on, Rory. Very happy to be on it. So I hope I hope I can get a, people, a lot of people my age to listen to this. That's my Great plan stuff. anyway. Bring, I bring, bring the, the I want to see them numbers going up. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no bother, man. That's it.